Come enjoy the best brews in Tampa Bay at Dunedin Brewery. Known as Florida's oldest microbrewery, they are always working to create a unique variety of craft beers for every taste. In addition, Dunedin Brewery features a full menu, including everything from their famous wings, burgers, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget about their live music, including the Wednesday Night Players Jam. That's Dunedin Brewery, 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunedin. Visit them online at dunedinbrewery.com. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Safe and sound now, back in good old 1955. 1955. You must not see anybody or talk to anybody. Anything you do could have serious repercussions on future events. Do you understand? Yeah, well, I might have sort of bumped into my parents. Great Scott! Isn't he a dreamboat? This is more serious than I thought. Doc, are you trying to tell me that my mother has got the hots for me? Precisely. So you've got to get your father and mother to interact. Last night, Darth Vader came down from Planet Falcon and told me that if I didn't take Lorraine out, that he'd melt my brain. Yeah, well, let's just keep this... Brain melting stuff to ourselves. But what do kids do in the 50s? Look! Of course, the enchantment under the sea dance. They're supposed to go to this. See, that's where they kiss for the first time on the dance floor. And if there's no music, they can't dance. If they can't dance, they can't kiss. If they can't kiss, they can't fall in love, and I'm history. Hey man, the dance is over. Unless uh, you know somebody else that can play the guitar. You guys aren't ready for that yet. But your kids are gonna love it. No McFly ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. Yeah, well, history is gonna change. And now. Hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again? Nothing up my sleeve. Presto! <laughs> no doubt about it. I gotta get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. This is McKeel Haggerty, and you are listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. So get out there and keep driving all those cool cars.
you're tuning into Nostalgic Green Room Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google Tantalk 1340com and you can see me live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website page, our website, GulfstreetMotorsports.com, and if you've missed any of our past shows, don't forget to check out our archive page, Nostalgic Radio and Cars, which, ladies and gentlemen, I have finally brought up to date, so I'm proud of myself. Actually, I'm proud of Bobby, because he actually did a, did a lot of stuff for me, helped me get that thing done. Anyway, uh, how you doing tonight, Tommy? Oh, I'm just great. I'm glad you gave proper credit there where credit may be due. Oh, absolutely. Listen, uh, Bobby, well, you know, you... We all know your technical abilities, Robert. <laughs> yeah. I still use an Android phone, but that's about to change. Uh, let's see. Um, what's going on this weekend? Let's go with the Fa- uh, Florida Car Show's Minute. Actually, Bobby, I think Bobby's listening. He might want to call in and say hi because he's in Orlando. And uh, he can let us know what's going on over there in Orlando. But anyway, as far as the FLACarshows.com, if you want to find out where all the car shows are and where they are taking place in the state of Florida, in the north, in the south, in the east, in the west, you definitely want to go to FloridaCarshows.com. Now, what's going on? Uh, let's see, the 21st of this month? Well, actually, there's a lot of parades going on. But the one in particular that we usually participate in is the Largo Parade, and that will be on the 21st of this month. Yep, before Christmas. And uh, we haven't decided what we're going to do, but usually we take the rollback and we put something really cool on there. So we got to come up with something cool. Something that cool that does that runs or is perceived to run. You know, it's all about perception. At any rate, so we'll, uh, well, that, that surprise remains to be seen. Uh, what's going on this weekend? Well, actually, not this weekend, but next, uh, next month, is we're about three weeks away from Kissimmee. And Meekum Auction and their 2020 uh, grand opening uh, spectacular event because they have a very, very, very special car. They've always got some pretty cool cars, but this year they got a very special car that they're going to auction off. It starts on the 2nd and goes through the 12th. And uh, one thing I kind of got excited about this year, I saw, that I saw if I read it right, um, they're going to have a guitar auction. Now, you know me, I'm into musical instruments. Not that I play that well, but I have an appreciation for vintage electric guitars. I'm a big Fender slash Gibson fan. Um, but I do like Ricks, Reckenbachers, which, you know, the Beatles were known to play, and a lot of guys out of the 60s. Uh, Moss Wright's another interesting guitar. Um, let's see. <coughs> Gills and Epiphones, even though they were around back in the day, uh, they got kind of a bad rap here because uh, they kind of got acquired and went overseas, but their, the original Gills are pretty good old guitars, the original, um, their electrics, and their uh, and Epiphones are actually pretty good. Obviously, Hoffner, because that's what uh, um, Beatle Paul uh, McCartney played, uh, was a left-handed bass Hoffner violin shape. And uh, let's see what else was out there. Um, oh, yeah, Gretsch's. Can't forget Gretsch's. Um, Michael Nesmith played the Gretsch. George Harrison played the Gretsch. Uh, a lot of cool guys played Gretsch's. That was pretty much it but the 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 the, the axe of choice is uh is the um fender stratocaster i would say probably gibson les paul kind of a 50 50 thing with the gibson sg which is one of my favorites uh tommy Iommi iomi played one frank zappa played one robbie krieger plays one uh bonamassa plays one um let's see dickie best played one it's funny, a lot of the Southern Rock guys, they actually played, um, well, it's kind of a mix, but a lot of them played uh, Gibsons. 
So Gibsons and uh, Fenders kind of go head to head. Anyway, where I'm going with this is in uh, at the end of uh, the end of January, first part of February is the Orlando International Guitar Expo. If I said that right, and um, we always look forward to that. So that's uh, cool. And while we're on the subject of music, since uh, last week on our special guest was Gary Puckett, this weekend he'll, he will be performing at Ruth Ecker Hall. So you still have time to get tickets. And that is uh, this Friday the 14th. And it's kind of like a big, I think it's Bowser party, kind of Christmas party type deal. And everybody remembers Bowser from Sha Na Na. So he'll be there. Gary Puckett will be there. Mark Lindsay from the Raiders will be there. And Peter Noon. And maybe some surprise uh, musicians. So... Uh, with all due, uh, with all with uh, 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 with a little luck, I'll be there. We will be there. At any rate, um, that pretty much sums it up. Tommy, you got something on that uh, turntable you want to play? I think you got something kind of queued up over there. So we're going to play a little bit of music. I'm trying to think what we picked out. I can't even remember. You know, it's sad when you get older. Like I'm getting older. My memory is about five minutes long, and. Uh, Wow. Hey, here's a little, uh, speaking, of, speaking of the Beatles, I can barely hear that. Is it upright or is it me? Yeah, the Beatles. Okay, there we go. Well, hey, you're tuning into Nostalgia Game of Cars. Here's a ticket to ride. This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than flacarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, flacarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at flacarshows.com. 
Okay, we're back, and you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and uh, it's a few minutes before we got our special guest on, so I'll just go ahead and ramble. Now, the reason I played uh, the Beatles song tonight is because I am actually uh, doing an appraisal on a very, very, very interesting car, and um, I'm probably just, I'll go do a, and it's tied to the Beatles, so that's all I'll tell you right now. But uh, when I get a little bit more information completed, and I get the report completed, um, I'm going to put a little special... I do a special feature on that car. And I'm going to tie it in with appraisals and stuff like that because uh, I've been doing a fair amount of those lately again. It kind of runs in hot and cold because sometimes I do diminished values, which is uh, cars that have been crashed and fixed and establish the values, what they were one minute before the accident and what they're worth now after the accident. And uh, total losses. And I've got uh, total losses I'm doing right now for a gentleman out of uh, St. Pete. It's a 1963 Chevy truck. It's really, really hard to... Uh, come up with values on this stuff, you know. I, mean, I shouldn't say hard. It's not really that hard. It's just hard as fighting with the insurance companies because, you know, they got their numbers and we have ours. But the classic cars is usually um, pretty pretty cut and dry because I can pretty much stomp them on uh, in their stomp them, stomp them, stomp them, stomp them, stomp them, stomp them, stomp them in their feet right there with classic and antique cars because it's pretty hard to beat me on that. That's kind of my specialty. But on the regular cars, they use a CCC program. And that's a program that they designed, and it basically helps them figure out, you know, let's say, uh, crash uh, estimating and parts estimating, and the whole industry's changed. I mean, everything's changed. It's just nothing's like the way it used to be. I mean, I sure do miss the old days. Back when I was in the wrecking yard business, you know, you pretty much, uh, you know, you could be very easily be a walking parts book because all we had to deal with was cars. You know, nothing impresses me more than when you open up the hood and all you see is a motor. That's really all I want to see is a motor. And as far as accessories, the only accessories I really want to see is probably air conditioning since we live in Florida. But more than likely, I'd like to see a supercharger or a, or a blower on there somehow, you know. Um, at any rate, which was kind of common back in the days, you know, blowers and stuff, superchargers. Uh, turbos kind of like, well, you know, blower, superchargers, the same thing. Tur uh, a, a turbocharger, which we affectionately refer to as a hairdryer. Um, they kind of came out in the 80s, although Corvair had one out in the early 60s. Um, yeah, take that back, Porsche had them in the 70s. And, uh, and then in the 80s, it got to be something a little bit more common. Even your little rinky-dink little four-cylinder cars had them. So at any rate... Uh, they, um, they, uh, the cars, uh, back to the cars, you know, today, I mean, I go to a body shop. I was over at uh, a good friend of ours in St. Pete the other day. I was doing an appraisal on a car down there for him. And uh, this is Superior Auto Body down in St. Pete, and it's Ron and his gang. And they do, they're probably the premier body shop. They are the premier body shop in Pinellas County, Superior Auto Body down on 49th Street. And I've known Ron probably 30 years. Used to selling parts all the time. I not in the business that much as far as parts end of it, but I still do appraisals, diminished values, and stuff like that, and total losses. But I wander into a lot of these shops, and the reason I go in these shops is so that I can kind of keep myself informed and updated and educated as as far as the new technology. And these cars are so sophisticated and so complicated today. I mean, it's like in the old days, you know, if a car was smashed. Let's say it was a full-size Ford, a full-size Chevrolet, full-size Chrysler. Yeah, what we call a doghouse. That was the whole front clip. We just unbolt, take it off. You leave the fenders, the hood, everything attached, inner fender wells. You just unbolt it from the car and the frame, because we had frames back in those days, and you bolt it on the next car, provided it wasn't damaged. Um, today, no, these cars are all unibody. When they get whacked, they get whacked. And it's interesting because I'm doing a 2017, 2018 Dodge. And uh, it's 2018 Dodge, and it's 
kind of they've got these the the steel that they use today is high tensile steel, high carbon, all this kind of stuff. You know, make probably doesn't make a lot of sense to you guys, but it's different than what it used to be. So you can't really weld on it, and you can't straighten it like it, like you used to. You know, the old metal we could heat it and pull it and stretch it and you know get it somewhat looking like it was supposed to. Today, once they're crumbled, and they're designed that way because they're they're kind of designed to kind of absorb impacts. Okay, but I'm as far as I'm concerned, the jury's still out on that. But anyway, so the, you get a vehicle, and if it was hit in front of the frame horns, you know, what we call a sway, if it was moved right or left, sometimes, you know, you can cut the frame horns off and you replace the frame horns and put the rest of the front clip on the car. Today, you can't because if it's within a certain proximity of the front cross member, the car, the frame's deemed non-repairable, and the whole frame on the vehicle has to be replaced. Well, just to give you an idea, the average frame is probably about 3500 bucks to $4,000, depending on what it is. But most of these are under trucks. Ford actually was clever because they designed theirs in sections, so you could actually cut sections out, take them apart, sleeve the inserts, and then weld them back together. I, you may or may not want that, but I, I'm, 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 but they are repairable. The Chryslers and Chevrolets are not. Once they're bent, they're bent, um, and they got to be replaced. So you, you, it can take an estimate from six thousand dollars, seven thousand dollars, let's say, and if you got frame damage. Suddenly, you got another $10,000 worth. By the time you figure the cost of the frame, disassembling the vehicle, pull the, the, the body off the chassis, disassemble all the suspension, reassemble all the suspension on a brand new frame, including what's been broken and bent, you know, and then, you know, extra little here. And, and then all the electronics and all the computers and all the sensors and all the, my, it's a mess. It really is. I mean, I, my hat's off to these guys in the body shop business because it is extreme. You can't be just the average guy that, you know, trade tree mechanic that just kind of works underneath his car and slap one of these things together. These are, you got to know what you're doing. In fact, you have to go to school and you have to be updated on this. I mean, in some cases, for example, we have a car and I'll use this, uh, I did a uh, 2018 Volkswagen GTI. So when they took the car apart to fix it, there were some parts on there that they that that that, that are what we would call proprietary in the industry. Pri proprietary means manufacturers and the dealers are the only ones that have access to, let's say, software, special tools, um, and are authorized to fix the cars. Ferraris is an example. Um, you have to be certified to repair a Ferrari, uh, Ford truck, aluminum chassis or aluminum body on there you have to be certified to 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 repair aluminum on the i mean the cars are extremely sophisticated these days but in some cases you literally have to send the car take it apart send it to the dealership the dealership has, once you straighten it then the dealership has to assemble the parts because it's there there's a technique to do it and also to maintain the warranty in the vehicle and then it gets back to the body shop they reassemble it then they got to send it back to the dealership because they got to sit there and do all the computer updates you know and what they call a pre-scan and a post-scan and make sure you know when you get the car the dash doesn't light up like a christmas tree although it is christmas time but anyway the cars are way 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 sophisticated compared to you know the good old days like i said my treat is when i open the hood of a car is an example of one of my old mustangs uh shelby or my mgb my beloved little uh lovable little uh, Miss Moneypenny, and all I see in there is is a motor, and there's carburetors hanging off the side of it, and there's exhaust manifolds there, and I can get to everything. I can actually fix it. You know, it's just pretty pretty interesting. Um, same thing with a Mustang. You know, uh, an old Camaro, an old Ford, an old Chevy, an old Dodge makes no difference. You, they, we had motors back in those days. So you know, mixed emotions about you know cars. I mean, granted, they're probably safer, and if you got to drive one every day and you want all the creature comforts, I guess you got to buy one. But my recommendation is not to buy a new car necessarily because you will get killed on the values, but buy a good pre-owned car. Ah, there. I'm just giving myself a shameless plug. Call me. Look me up, GolfstreamMotorsports.com. And since I'm a licensed independent car dealer in the state of Florida, I can probably procure you a car.
uh, help you get one. I have a fee for doing it, but I'm pretty good at it. Um, you can buy them at the auctions, or I can uh, cut a deal at the auction at the uh, dealers with for you. I know plenty of them in the area. But you know, cars. Uh, you know, it's a necessary evil. You got to have them. Got to get from point A to point B. You got to make a living. You got to drive around. And besides, if you're going to do that, and if you like cars, you might as well get something cool. Driving the car, a car tells a lot about a person. You know, the guy that drives a, Puri- a Prius, for example, we know all about that guy. The guy that drives a Tesla, the jury's out on that person. The guy that drives a Mustang, we know all about him. The guy that drives a Challenge, we know all about him. The guy driving a minivan, the guy driving a truck, the guy driving an SUV. Yeah, it's pretty self-explanatory. You know, unless you're a woman and you're pint-sized and you're driving a big, giant uh, Escalade and you can barely see over the steering wheel and the only thing you see is your knuckles. And it's just like, wow, one of my pet peeves is when people drive these big cars, sit up. Sit up high, as high as the seat will get you, and look down over the front of the steering, uh, over the steering wheel, the top of the steering wheel, and over the front of the car so you can see what's going on. But when you sit low, you can't see anything. My, 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 my. Just, uh, I wish I was a driving instructor sometimes. I really do. I mean, it's very, very complicated. But anyway, on that note, I'm not going to rant and I'm not going to go on about Spirit Airlines tonight. Somebody said you're not going to be able to leave that alone. Nope. I'm going to save Spirit Airlines for another special day. So on that note, I think I'm going to let Tommy go ahead and fire up the stereo. Now, wait a minute, Tommy. You got something queued up from the Raiders, right? Okay. Well, let's go ahead and play that one since uh, you got that one queued up. But I actually got a request and it was... uh, Good time. Hang on. Let me see here. Let me check my text here. Good thing by the Raiders. Can you get? Can you switch that real quick? Can you find that one? See if that's up there somewhere. See, here's the beauty of radio. We can do anything spontaneously. We can switch things over. We can do, you know, because it's live radio. We're not scripted, obviously. <laughs> and uh, since we're semi-professional over here, well, Tommy's professional. Um, Bobby's professional. And uh, Big Ed's professional, and obviously Lola's professional, but the rest of us here are just uh, little old radio show hosts. Hey, here's a good song. It's called Good Thing by the Raiders. Right, Tommy? And that's it. All right. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't touch that dial. I've got a very, very special guest coming on with a very, very interesting car. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We'll be right back. Well, who else knew where he was? What are you implying? Well, they know 
look for him and he used your name to get in. Are you suggesting I disclosed his whereabouts? Somebody did. And it didn't come from us. I'll be back in the morning with my people. This is Dana Meekum. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, now that was a soundtrack that needed no introduction. And the license plate number on that vehicle was JJZ109, California, registered to one Frank Bullet. And I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening the gentleman that actually owns that car, Sean Kiernan. Sean, welcome to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. How you doing, buddy? Oh, doing well. Great to be here, man. Yeah. So, uh, are you excited? Kissimmee's coming up, or is it a uh, kind of a bittersweet situation for you? Uh, uh, bittersweet. Actually, it's an emotion I don't think I've ever felt before. Uh, so, I'm still trying to get used to it. Uh, not really a, a guy to sell cars. Um, yeah, so emotionally not ready for it, but excited at the same time. It's, uh, it's very odd. Well, now, for the art listeners that uh, are just tuning in, why don't you give us the, the background and the whole story uh, on how you and, uh, and your dad acquired uh, the original Steve McQueen 1968 Highland Green 390 GT4 speed fastback yeah. bullet Mustang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a heck of a business card. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, 1974, uh, it was in a classified ad, road and track. Um, and it was actually the second owner that had put it up for sale. Uh, he put it in the back of road and track, didn't have it for maybe four years. Um, and my dad was the only guy that called and came to look at it and, uh, yeah, picked it up on a Friday afternoon and, um, you know, went home and parked it in the driveway. Mom got home from school and boom, there was a 68 fastback in the driveway. Uh, the funny romantic thing about this whole story is the fact that, you know, we're not my family. We're not these amazing car collectors that have a hundred cars, 10 cars. Um, you know, we just happen to have things 68 fastback. So, even back in 74, 
my dad had actually just sold an MGBGT. That was oh. a daily driver. And uh, my mom had given him the blessing of buying a new car. He, uh, being a Carroll Shelby fanatic, was in the mood for a fastback. Really wanted a fastback. Wanted a big block. And uh, lo and behold, this comes along. Um, and uh, becomes my mom and dad's family car. Uh, this isn't one of three. This is the only one. And this is what they daily drove uh, for the next uh, six years until 1980. Um, my dad bought it with 19,000 miles on it. It's got 65,000 miles on it now. And uh, each one of those miles were put on tried and true. And mom's daily driver during the week uh, and dad's driver on the weekend. And uh, in 1980, uh, right before I was born, it got parked. Um and uh, Dad bought another car that's by no means special to anyone but me. Uh, it was an 80 Plymouth Horizon. Uh, that's what I came home from the hospital in. I have that car also, but uh, no one cares about that one. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the car sat in uh, in our garage and in every house we lived in, which was only, I think, three. Um, my whole life uh, sat in the garage and... Uh, was you know our project car it was like every other car guy on the planet uh you know we have that car sitting on track stands that we're going to get to and one day it's going to be you know fantastic ours just happened to be uh the original bullet mustang um and you know it really wasn't a thing in the 70s uh you know movie cars weren't a thing uh you know 68 fastbacks weren't really that rare um and especially mustangs weren't uh that you know body style and not until the 90s and early 2000s, uh, when the internet kind of came alive, uh, did all the stories and where's the car and why isn't the guy that owns the car showing it and, um, you know, uh, some negative stuff, obviously, that goes with people not getting what they want. And uh, what's funny to us, or especially me, is the car sat in the garage didn't do anything except sit there. And everything kind of grew around it. Uh, this whole history and where is it at and this uh, kind of holy grail Indiana Jones thing going on because <laughs> nobody knew where it was. And uh, so my father and I actually started a soft restoration on it in 2001 when Ford came out with their commemorative car, their first one. Um, and then, you know, life continued to happen. Car continued to sit. Um, and then 2008, when they came out with their second one, that's when uh, I was into drag racing pretty hard and uh, pulled the motor and Went and took it to the um, machine shop, which a buddy of mine ran, and we went through the motor and, you know, fired it up on the engine dyno, and that was all, you know, fun and, and good. Brought it back home, wrapped it up, and there it sat uh, even longer, and uh, Dad had progressively gotten worse with his Parkinson's. He had retired. I, was, I had my second daughter. I had my family, plus full-time job, and uh, in the paint and body business, and uh you know, in 2014, when he passed away, the car was completely in, in pieces. So it was just the doors, the dash, and the glass. It was all that was left on there. Um, and it took me almost two years to, to step back into the garage and uh, put the car back together. And through a series of crazy events, I got inspired to put the car back together. And uh, after collecting the pieces that my father had taken apart, and uh, or I, I should say I, I did help on that, but he didn't label them um and they were all over the farm and the shed and the barn and and also in the garage sitting next to it's a 75 uh 911 and it's Ooh. the same color and he took it apart as well uh so those 
parts were intermixed with bullets parts. And uh, so I was basically trying to figure out what bolt was metric, what was standard, uh, what was German, what was, you know, from Dearborn. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it took me longer to find all the parts on the property than it did to actually put the car back together. Um, but through a bunch of late nights and by myself, because, you know, um, this isn't something you could pick up the phone and call, uh, you know, Mustang, any Mustang part supplier and go, look, I've got a 68 Fastback 390 GT that has a one-off suspension built by Max Belchowski and the motor's kind of funky and you all of a sudden start talking about it and then people are going to go, is this the original Bullet Mustang? And we're keeping it a secret because we don't want anybody knocking on the door and we kind of wanted to tell the story our way and uh, tell it the right way and not have it be forced uh, to be told. So I got Kevin Marty, uh, McKeel Haggerty, Mark Gessler, who's the president of the Historic Vehicle Association, um, and then uh, Jay Leno. Uh, and then collectively we got with Ford, and uh, we all, you know, I, I let everybody vet the car. Uh, Leno was the first one to drive the car, um, and since then he is the only one that's driven it other than myself. Uh, and then um, I unveiled January 18 at Cobalt Hall at uh, the International Auto Show with Ford, uh, unveiling the 2018-2019 Bullet Mustang. And uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's been an amazing journey in telling Dad's story the right way. And there's definitely two versions of Bullet to me uh, as far as the car goes, and that's pre-January 18 and post-January 18. Um, you know, pre 18, it was just a car sitting in the garage. And to me, it was my father's car. And that's what it still continues to be is, uh, that emotional connection that everybody has with their father and cars that he had, um, post January 18, it's been more, um, a preservation, uh, making sure the car doesn't deteriorate. Um, and also making sure that, you know, everybody's perception of seeing this car is, uh, you know, it needs restoration. I can touch it, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, that's been my biggest hurdle, I guess, is, is telling the story as quick as I can to certain people. That way they get it. Um, and that way they, they're not touching it and, uh, they're not, you know, taking a part off of it that they don't need to, or, or you know, um, like at Amelia Island, uh, not being able to get through security because I don't put stickers on my car. Cause if I was to pull a sticker off the car, I'd take the paint with it. Um, so I don't put stickers on it, so I have no badging, and most of the time I can't even get in the gate everywhere uh, because people see me in this car and they don't think I belong there, and not until they figure out what it is do they let me in the door. So that perception part of it I didn't even think was going to happen, and that's my post-January uh, 18 feelings you know, with the car. So an amazing journey, uh, but, yeah, in January uh, this year, uh, less than a month away, um, I'll part ways with the car. Um, and trust me, that wasn't an overnight decision. That took about seven months of my life driving my wife crazy, asking her the same question every day. Um, but yeah, that's the future of our life in Bullet and going forward. Well, I wanted to preface by saying uh, I too have a 70, uh, 70s MGB GT, so I like oh, it. Wow. And I was a 911 guy at one point in time. I'm in the 356s now, so there's a lot of similarities there. And uh, when you mention um, Max, and I can't pronounce his name, is it Bachowski? Is that Bachowski? Yeah, Bachowski. Okay, wasn't he the guy that ran and built uh, Old Geller? Oh, yeah. 
Well, he was a very, very talented and seasoned uh, racer and uh, uh, car builder, basically. So, oh, very much so. Interesting. I didn't know that he actually did that car. If people want to find out more about that car, Sean, I mean, like the, the data on the car, because it's actually mm-hmm. a fascinating car. Um, how would they go about doing it? Is it all online, pretty much? Oh, yeah, it's all online. You can basically uh, Google uh, original original Bullet Mustang. Um, you can go to uh, uh, com slash bullet. Uh, that also will pull up everything plus, uh, gosh, probably 200 pictures. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, honestly, I think there's 30 magazine articles that I've done. Um, and I've been, I think roughly 40 different places that have done some amazing, uh, captured a lot of the details on the car, uh, Especially a lot of Max Belchowski stuff. Well, um, tell us about some of the stuff because you, you mentioned the suspension was different. Give us a couple examples of uh, what's unique about it. Uh, the suspension. Um, so everything that is, uh, you know, you were talking about the doghouse earlier mm-hmm. um, on the front. Uh, so everything that would overlap on the inner fenders and everything, uh, any metal that was connected that was just, you know, supposed to be spot welded uh, was absolutely. Uh, ugly welded what I would call it because it's not <laughs> the prettiest thing but uh, every lap every flap uh, every joint is basically reinforced three times over uh, welded to make sure that it doesn't separate during any you know structure or uh, crazy driving on top of that um, the uh, the coils are the HD truck coils uh, all the bushings are upgraded it's got Hellwig uh, stabilizers front and back Coney shocks then the rear suspension uh, is kind of Frankenstein. Um, it has an extra leaf on the spring. It has U-bolts going up, down, sideways as limiters, uh, making sure that the uh, the forward uh, rear end there does not come out of it <laughs> oh, really? um, or, or moves by any means. And uh, Is it like yeah, a watch because, linkage or something? Yeah, yeah more or less, because uh, what was happening was it was binding. Okay. And then was throwing seals um, to the point where they swapped the rear ends a couple of different times. And uh, it's funny, uh, the first time Kevin Marty looked at the car, uh, he looked at the rear end and, you know, nine inches don't have breathers. And there is an eighth inch hole drilled in the top of it. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I had never seen it. And he goes, that's not supposed to be there. And uh, it's just kind of funny looking at it. Boom! There's a hole in the rear end. Nobody knew because they were popping seals so hard. So, oh wow! Yeah, it, it's uh, it's really interesting. But then on top of that, just got where you know it would bottom out. Uh, a lot of cushioning support, um, and certain things are reinforced uh, throughout the body. But then camera mounts and everything else are also still intact. Uh, but as far as the motor, uh, what Max did is uh, basically just go through it, truck heads. You know, the basic 68 stuff to get a little bit more power and torque. So, uh, you, you know, um, exhaust manifolds, uh, tuning on the carburetor, uh, swapped out the cam, uh, small things, but, you know, just to make it a little bit more torquey to get out of the gate uh, with that 440. Um, and, I, I, you know, through talking to uh, one of the guys that actually bought Old Geller um, and all, a lot of Max's stuff, uh, that seemed to be his M.O., uh, was top end um, as far as going through motors and stuff like that. Uh, and then on top of that, yeah, it's just a uh, it's a movie car. Um, so it's, you know, on set, and they do what they got to do to get it done. So there is an ugly hole in the firewall. There's an ugly hole in the radiator support to run wiring for, from the generators to the cameras. Um, 
but you know that's what gives this car romance and that was also you walk up to it and go holy smokes that's original you know that's that's real there is nothing that can be replicated on this car because it's 51 years old and got cut hand cut with a sawzall that long ago <laughs> and everything got folded over with pliers and the welds are you know two sticks and a 12 volt battery out in the middle of you know uh san francisco and it's just you know it's it can't be replicated and and should it be no because of safety uh but i'll tell you one thing when that car is long dead and gone the camera mouse will be sitting on a ground somewhere <laughs> Those things are insanely way too powerful for that car. Uh, it's just some insane one-by-one uh, tubing that was uh, meant to mount generators and cameras and everything else. And it's uh, it's funny, uh, you know, trying to keep this car preserved and making sure it doesn't deteriorate anymore um, has kind of taken that passion that I have to paint body and, you know, making sure every line's straight. Uh, cleared properly and you know uh, buffing it out making sure everything is nice and pretty i've taken all that switched over to preservation making sure that you know the sun doesn't come out and and discolor the paint and uv doesn't destroy everything on the car and rose red primer doesn't shine through or you know uh 50 year old magnesium wheels don't crack crazily and uh because you know there's nobody you can pick up the phone and call and say Hey, uh, I've got a car with 50-year-old Bondo on it <laughs> that's completely front to back, probably has six gallons of Bondo in it. What's it do at 40,000 feet <laughs> in a plane? I mean, you know, it's, these are these are weird things that, um, you know, it, it's fun for me uh, because that's what's eccentric about the car. It's this one-off um, storyteller uh, from bumper to bumper, and uh, that's why it looks the way it does, and that's why I hope wherever she does go, uh, doesn't disrupt that whatsoever. I can't imagine somebody, uh, disrupting that. And I hope that I've done enough to where they won't. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I can't control that. Well, I think the natural, uh, habitat for that future habitat is the Smithsonian. That's just my personal opinion, because that, like I said, the car's on a, on a historic automobile. What's it, it's called the auto something history. What's it called exactly again? Yes. Yeah, HVA, so Historic Vehicle Association. Okay. And it's the register, yeah. It's, it's uh, through the um, Library of Congress. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's just uh, just like any Department of Interior and any uh, uh, home, uh, you know, uh, any historical place, uh, monument, uh, locations, mm-hmm. uh, they also have cars. And this is the 21st car. That's amazing. Let me ask you another question real quick. How, now, mm-hmm. see, I was a kid. I grew up in Northern California. I'm from Warren County. My mom and dad had a motel in San Francisco. There's one scene, I think, that's filmed, and I was there in 1968. Um, there was one scene that was filmed, and it's a short blip, and I, it sure looks like Lombard Street, but I can't remember because right when he comes down, and makes the U-turn in the Mustang and goes up the hill, and then he disappears. But I'm not 100% sure because it was filmed in a couple different areas. And um, But how did the ad read and road and track? And the reason I ask that is because back in the day, uh, in 72, I was when I got my driver's license, and I was constantly in road and track. And it's very possible I probably saw that ad, skipped over it. So how did the ad read, and where was the car located? Uh, the car was in New Jersey. Uh, really? which is where my father lived yeah so that was the second owner was uh in new jersey um and that's another fun fun fact on this well the, the article read uh you know it was 1968 mustang uh bullet was misspelled 
um, because Road and Track's editing department changed it. <laughs> uh, I recently found out. Um, but can uh, can authenticate, uh, and it was our best offer. Um, and it was a very short, short classified ad. Uh, the funny twist to all of this is that everybody had a chance to buy this car in 1970. Um, the first owner had it in Hemmings for nine months. Uh, and it was a long classified ad and uh it explained it to a tee of what it was and didn't have one phone call that's just (laughs) mind-blowing that's mind-blowing right yeah um so yeah it's uh when it came out uh, and road and track honestly i I find that shocking but talking to the second owner he goes absolutely no one called and you know your dad's the only guy that showed up um and he wasn't probably there for 15 minutes and that was it, and he was gone. Um, I, I would imagine a lot of people saw it and just, you know, kept going. I, I, I don't, you know, because movie cars were not a thing. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's all about hindsight and timing, and this car has been nothing but timing since the beginning of its life and, uh, and how it ended up here. And even Lee Brown, the guy that owns the body shop, that the car was... Uh, beat up for uh for the movie uh to make it look like a used car that a detective would own uh lee brown did that but after the filming had wrapped they sent the cars back to lee Brown's shop and they sat there uh, for a long time uh to the point where lee brown was screaming at the studio saying get these cars out of here uh he probably could have bought the cars for a dollar and he didn't want them where was Lee and, Brown's shop at? Was that in San Francisco or was that in L.A.? Yeah, yeah. No, uh, that was in L.A. Oh, okay. Yeah, in the Valley. Um, and his daughter actually runs the body shop now. It's Precision Auto Body. Wow. Um, yeah, and uh, we interviewed him. We're doing a documentary. Um, we interviewed him probably about three months, four months ago. Um, and just a great guy. Uh, somebody you would think that, you know, uh, was very much part of it. He actually has McQueen's Mini Cooper. Um, oh, kidding. So yeah, yeah, it's very exciting. But Lee Brown, Max Wachowski, these guys, you know, all three of them, uh, and McQueen were um, really good friends. And when it came to build a car for a movie that you know called for a car, uh, McQueen knew who to call. Now, what I, I got to tell you this too, real quick. I actually owned at one point in time a 1968 Highland Green 390 GT four-speed fastback Mustang, and I nicknamed that car. And the car used to run around Clearwater here for a long time in the 70s. And eventually, mm. I got the car. It had a 427 in it that was sleeved, and uh, I put a 390 back in it. And unfortunately, I had an opportunity to buy a Shelby, so I sold that car. But that car is still around. But oh, wow. we all, we all referred to that Highland Green car. You know, everybody, the movie Bullet. Everybody knew that car. It's like the Vanishing Point car, you know, the white Challenger. Exactly. Nobody oh, yeah. forgets these cars. They're iconic. Now, my mm-hmm. other question to you is, do you know, what was was the Ford Mustang Steve McQueen's first choice? Um, I think it was for McQueen, but not for Yates, who was the director of the film. Okay. Um, the, uh, the guy that's actually directing the, my documentary uh, has dug into it so hard. But, yeah, the Mustang was definitely... Uh, um, McQueen's choice, but the guy that wrote, you know, funny twist to this whole thing. The guy that originally wrote the original script, there was no car chase. Oh, really? Um, yeah, not until uh, a guy by the one of the producers uh, came up and, and, and put in a uh, car chase. And 
yeah, it goes into into long details. But, uh, yeah, Mustang was definitely something as far as a detective that wasn't too flashy, uh, that that people could go, okay, you know, he could chase down a Charger and, you know, it's not a Ferrari or, you know, something of, of that line or even a Porsche at that point. Let me ask you this, too. Now, I know we got a minute or two left. That car had a 67 Shelby steering wheel on it, and it was wrapped yep. in leather. How did yep. that come about? Uh, so Any McQueen liked, liked the feeling of, he, the way I say it, and, and as long as I'm not at a Ford-sanctioned event, the way I say <laughs> it, uh, McQueen hated the original Mustang steering wheel. Yeah. Um, but he loved the GT wheel, but he hated the feel of wood. So he had it wrapped in leather. And uh, now the original wheel off of my car... Uh, is still yet to be known. I think it might be a, a McQueen heirloom. Not sure. Uh, the one off of the um, the jump car uh, is actually owned by Lee Brown. Um, and then through Kevin Marty and a lot of other people, um, I actually had one replicated, uh, okay. but wrapped by the original guy that did all the original stuff to the original steering wheel. So um, you ask me what the second most expensive thing on that car is that I had to pay for. It would be the steering wheel. <laughs> yeah, they're about twenty five hundred bucks. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh well, that's interesting. Um, now, see, but other than that, I think everything else is kind of uh, factory in the car. Did it have the factory shifter in it? I don't remember. Has it got a hearse in it? Yeah, it's a hearse in it. Okay, and uh, so that was probably spec'd up by Max, right? Probably. Um, there's a little gray on that. We think that it had a hearse in it at that point. Um, but the second owner is actually the one that put the, uh, the hearse that's currently in it, uh, in there. So did that, now was that car bought new for the studio? And then like you said, made to look old, that's what it was. Oh yeah. Yeah. Both cars were uh, bought directly, uh, from Ford and San Jose, uh, built, um, you know, for, they, they weren't built for the movie, but they were specced. For the movie okay um so you know nothing you know all the stickers are still in the same place uh, everything was the same um yeah and then they went to regularly lee brown's uh shop and he basically beat the heck out of them with a bar <laughs> so, uh, and then ran them into each other and then scuffed them down make them look uh make them look old and uh and beat up so that's why you see the car in that first scene uh, when McQueen steals the newspapers, the first time you really see the car, that's why that right rear quarter panel is absolutely caved in. It's because of Lee Brown running both cars into each other. The gas cap on the back is blacked out. Why is that? Yep. Uh, no GT. Uh, yeah. Taking the emblem off. Um, and then uh, kind of dulled down the chrome. That's the same reason the rockers were painted green. Uh-huh. Um, not too flashy because, you know, detectives in San Francisco don't need a flashy car. Being undercover. Yeah. Also, same same kind of premise, but no uh, badging whatsoever on it. Interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, Sean, I uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, also, oh, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas, too, and a Happy New Year, because that's coming up. And I'll definitely oh, yeah. be at Kissimmee. And when is your car scheduled to roll across the block? Because I know my yes. listeners are anxious to hear that. And we've been talking about in, it. In the afternoon of January 10th, which is a Friday. Okay. Um, so that'll be uh, prime time for around the planet, uh, and I'll be there uh, from January second uh, until the day she rolls off. That uh, my sister and I will be driving it up on the auction block. My wife will be waiting on me up there, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, we'll be selling the car for the first time in forty six years. Wow! 
All right. Well, Sean, I want to thank you very much for uh, taking some time and hanging out with us here at Nostalgia Video yes, Card. I wish you the best of luck. Uh, I hope the car goes to a really, really serious collector. And uh, we'll see you at Kissimmee in, uh, in about three weeks. Uh, absolutely. Look forward to it. All right. Very good. Well, thank you very yes, much, sir. and take care, buddy. Thank you. You too. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Great story. Great story. Hey, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't forget, you can see us here every Tuesday night between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network for some of the most fascinating and legendary names in motorsports. I mean, this is a truly fascinating car. I've had the opportunity to talk to Sean a number of times. I met him first at, uh, at Amelia Island. My son and I were there. Uh, McKeel was there, Haggerty. The car got a lot of attention. It is truly uh, a piece of Americana history, pop culture, call it what you want. It's the real deal. And uh, the one question I forgot to ask him was, is I wonder how much Mustang sales went up after that movie. Because, you know, the 390 GT, and like I said, I actually owned one at one time. It was a green four-speed, Highland Green, black interior, deluxe interior car, 390 four-speed car. Amazing car. Now I'm sorry I sold it. But at any rate, uh, don't forget to tell your friends to tune in here every Tuesday night. And... Uh, where are we at? Oh, yeah. I said that before. 7, 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com. And in the meantime, I want to see you guys at some of the car shows. Don't forget, this weekend, Gary Puckett and the Union Gap, Mark Lindsay, Bowser, and uh, Peter Noon at Ruth Eckert Hall. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, drive carefully, love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.